Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord our God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today I'm going to be giving us kind of a crash course in one of the major themes that comes through the book of Acts. And we're going to begin with a very familiar story that's toward the middle of the book of Acts, the story of Cornelius and of Peter. Remember, Cornelius was a Roman centurion, a Gentile, a God-fearing man. And one day he was praying, and as he was praying, he had a vision. And in the vision, he heard God tell him to send for a man named Simon Peter, to bring him to his home, and then to listen to everything that Peter had to say. And so that's exactly what Cornelius did. He sent some men to fetch Simon Peter. Meanwhile, in a neighboring town, Simon Peter was visiting a friend. He was up on a rooftop praying, and as he was praying, Peter had a vision. And I need to pause the story for just a moment because we, we all know that God works in lots of different places at the same time. And when God, who works in lots of different places at the same time, brings some of those things together, those things converge, something powerful and amazing can happen. And that's what happens in this story. Peter has a vision. Remember his vision? He sees what looks like a giant sheet descending from heaven. And on the sheet were animals and birds and reptiles of every kind. And then he heard God tell him to eat. And Simon Peter responded by saying, Oh, no, Lord, I can never eat that. My lips have never touched anything unclean. And that was the wrong answer. And so God says to him again, Eat. And then the giant sheet ascended back up into heaven, disappeared. And about that time, the men who Cornelius had sent arrived to fetch Peter. And pretty soon he finds himself on his way to the home of Cornelius. Once inside the home of this Gentile, he's in the midst of Cornelius' family and friends, a house full of Gentiles. And there, Peter finally understands his vision. And so he says... Now I understand that God has no favorites. All people who fear God are equally loved and valued. All people. And this was a very important moment, an amazing moment. A moment that changed the course of Christianity from that moment forward. Remember, back in Acts chapter 1, Jesus had said to his disciples that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preached his first sermon in Jerusalem, and there are people from all around the world who were there who converted. But from that moment on, the focus of the disciples was on folks who had Jewish ancestry. And the first converts to Christianity were Jewish. In fact, all the way up to Acts chapter 10, Christianity was pretty much a movement within Judaism. Paul had been converted in chapter 9, but he hadn't begun his ministry. He was preparing still. But then Peter has this experience, and this experience results in Paul being able to be sanctioned to go forth out into the Gentile world to preach the gospel. He goes, he starts churches in every town that he visits, and he's very successful, very effective. And what began as a movement within Judaism 
grew to become a multicultural church. Ah, but change is not easy. And it is especially difficult in church life. It's difficult for us now. And it was certainly difficult for them then. There was a group of Christians, Jewish Christians, probably had been Christians for some time, probably felt some sense of ownership in, on the church, who, who didn't like what was happening with all of these Gentiles coming into the church. And so they began to teach that in order to be a Christian, you had to first be a Jew. And that Gentile converts had to convert to Judaism with all of that meant before they would be allowed to be Christians. Uh, controversy welled up within the church. And so in Acts chapter 15, James, the brother of Jesus, who by this time had emerged as the leader of the Jerusalem church, he called a general conference. And he heard both sides of the debate. He heard from those Jewish Christians who were concerned. And then he heard from Peter as Peter gave testimony to his experience in the home of Cornelius. And then he went on to share how he had seen the Holy Spirit at work in the lives of these Gentile Christians. And so he said, isn't that enough? I mean, isn't that enough that we can see how God is at work in their lives? Why would we want to add anything to that? Why would we add to them a burden we ourselves could not carry? And in the end, Peter won the day. James' decision was that Gentile Christians just simply needed to accept Christ, and that was all that was necessary. But it's hard to change. It's hard to change. And that group of Jewish Christians did not accept James' ruling. Now, Peter started going out to the churches he had formed to share with them the good news only to find that this group of Jewish Christians had beaten them, him there and were teaching the congregations that they had to become Jews, the men had to be circumcised, they had to keep all of the laws. Well, Paul dealt with it. He dealt with it. He set folks straight. He even wrote letters about this. We see it in Galatians, for instance. And he was serious about this because he could see that there was a lot at stake, a whole lot at stake, because basically what this group of Jewish Christians was saying was that while Jesus' sacrifice was sufficient for them to be a Christian, it was not sufficient for others to be a Christian. That anybody else who wanted to be a Christian had to do something first. And so they were adding on to the gospel requirements and demands of people before they could accept the grace of Jesus Christ. I mean, Paul wasn't going to stand for this, adding stuff on to the gospel. He'd have fought for this to the death. And he almost did because a few chapters later in the book of Acts, he returns to Jerusalem to give an update. And somehow word gets out to this group of Jewish Christians and they plan a riot and they try to kill him. And they would have killed him if not for some Gentiles, some Roman soldiers who came to his rescue. Ah, but... Can you imagine that? A group of Christians trying to kill a missionary of God all over the need to be right 
and a refusal to change. Can you imagine that? I mean, their behavior itself gives testimony to how it was that they had been wrong all along. That sense of judgmentalism that was a part of their life had been wrong all along. You can see it in the fruit of their labor. But James had gotten it right. And the church continued to expand to new peoples and to new nations. And the controversy was resolved. Sort of. Kind of. Because it just keeps popping back up again. We've seen it throughout the generations. It's still around to this day. Questions around, is Christ's death sufficient for salvation? Questions around, who can be a Christian? What you have to do in order to be one? Those questions, they continue to emerge. So, let's pause for a moment. We're going to turn our attention to the reading of Scripture from Acts chapter 10. Karen? Reading from Acts chapter 10, verses 28 through 35. And he said to them, You yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or to visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Now may I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius replied, Four days ago at this very hour at three o'clock, I was praying in my house when suddenly a man in dazzling clothes stood before me. He said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send, therefore, to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner, by the sea. Therefore, I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. So now all of us are here in the presence of God to listen to all that the Lord has commanded you to say. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Karen. So here at Desert Spring, we say all are welcome. About a year and a half ago, Reverend Steve Tollefson preached on the Ash Wednesday service, and he shared with us some, a statement that comes from the church that he had been a part of, Cathedral of the Rockies United Methodist Church, but he got this from a Catholic community. I wanted to remind you of this, share it with you again. We extend a special welcome to those who are single, married, divorced, gay, filthy rich, dirt poor, or no habla ingles. <laughs> we extend a special welcome to those who are crying newborns, skinny as a rail, or could afford to lose a few pounds. We welcome you if you can sing like Andre Puccelli, or if you're like our pastor and can't carry a note in a bucket. <laughs> we welcome, you're welcome here if you're just browsing, just woke up, or just got out of jail. 
We don't care if you're more Catholic than the Pope, more Methodist than Wesley, or haven't been in church since little Joey's baptism. We extend a special welcome to those who are over 60 but not grown up yet, and to teenagers who are growing up too fast. We welcome soccer moms, Bronco dads, starving artists, tree huggers, latte sippers, vegetarians, junk food eaters. We welcome those who are in recovery or still addicted. We welcome you if you're having problems or you're down in the dumps or if you just don't like organized religion. If you blew all your money on Powerball tickets, you're welcome here. We offer a special welcome to those who think the earth is flat, work too hard, don't work, can't spell, or just came because grandma's in town and wanted to go to church. We welcome those who are inked, pierced, or both. We offer a special welcome to those who could use a prayer right now and to those who had religion shoved down their throat as a kid or just got lost in traffic and wound up here by mistake. We welcome tourists, seekers, and doubters, bleeding hearts, and you, if somehow you didn't fit into any of the above categories. Great. So all are welcome. That's great. I love that statement. It's fun and it's poignant. It's wonderful, although we know that in this world it's not that easy either. Not that easy in a world where there are adults who lay prey on children and where there are radical extremists who would just as soon harm us and where there are people who perpetrate atrocities against innocent people out of hatred and or brokenness. We know that it's just that not that easy. So what do we mean when we say all are welcome? I want to approach this theologically just for a few minutes. So hang with me for a few minutes as we kind of unpack this thought all are welcome theologically first. First, we have to, we have to go back to to Jesus and some things that he taught. If we're going to understand, all are welcome. Remember, Jesus once said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In Matthew 28, he said to his disciples, Go and make disciples of all peoples, baptizing them and teaching them all that I've commanded. In Acts chapter 1, he said to his disciples, You will be my witnesses to the ends of the world. God loves all people. That comes clear as we read through the scriptures. That God loves all people and all people are important to God. And all means all. And as we read through the scriptures, we also can see that all people are deserving of hearing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All people have a need to be able to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Saints and sinners alike. Jews and Gentiles alike. People who are like us and people who are not like us. All people have to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all means all. We have people from our own church, the Bremers, the Collins, who have taken the gospel to other countries, to other peoples we would otherwise not reach. Meanwhile, those of us here, we invite others to come in so they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because all people are deserving to hear the gospel. All are welcome. But now this statement, all are welcome, 
also is a reminder to us that Jesus' death on a cross is sufficient for faith and salvation. Nothing has to be added to what Jesus has already done for us. We do not have to become somebody else in order to become a Christian. We do not have to become Jewish in order to become a Christian. We don't have to change our life before we can become a Christian. Jesus has done everything that is necessary for faith and salvation and simply invites us to come, to be a part of it all. All are welcome as Jesus has done everything necessary. And number three, but we all know that the Christian faith is a faith of transformation. It brings changes to people's lives. I mean, we can see the need for change as we read through the story of the book of Acts, that group of Jewish Christians. They needed some change in their life, needed to change their attitudes, needed to change their beliefs, needed to change their behaviors. And the Christian faith is all about bringing change to our lives. But we do not need to change in order to be accepted by God. Because we have been accepted by God, we change. And let me say that again because this is a very, very important distinction. We do not have to be changed to be accepted by God. We are already accepted by God. Jesus has done everything necessary for us to be accepted by God. We don't have to do anything to earn it. It's already there. We are accepted. We are accepted. And because we are accepted, our lives then change. The Holy Spirit is at work in our lives as Christian. That Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, growing us in our faith, growing us in our understanding, bringing about those kinds of changes that we come to, to live a life that's abundant, a life that God intended. That all comes about because of the work of God in our lives in response to having been accepted. And number four, in Acts chapter 15, Peter gives testimony to how his life changed in the home of Cornelius, the centurion. And he gives testimony to how he saw the Holy Spirit at work in the lives of Gentile Christians on that day. And how that was enough for him to know that God was at work in that place. And thank God that Peter prevailed. Thank God that Peter prevailed and the church came to understand this truth of the gospel that all people are accepted. Because if Peter had not prevailed, if we were required to be somebody other than we are, I suspect that most all of us here would feel like we're outsiders. But we're not. We're insiders. We've been invited into the family. We have a seat at the family dinner table. We have a sense of belonging, that this is who we are and where we belong. God has invited us to be a part of what God is doing. Can you imagine that? That God has invited you and me to be a part of God's family. All are welcome 
in part means that. That you are welcome. That you are welcome in this place. In God's family. And that I am welcome in God's family. Even a sinner like me. All are welcome. Everybody needs to have the opportunity to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All are welcome. Christ's death is sufficient. Nothing else is needed for faith and salvation. All are welcome to see what God can make of our lives. All are welcome. Even you. Even somebody like me. Which brings me to number five. All are welcome means that it's not ours to be judgmental. Jesus once said, judge not lest you be judged. It is not ours to be judgmental. It is ours to extend grace. It is ours to help people experience the very grace of God. And as we help people to experience the very grace of God, we find ourselves working in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And I got to tell you, brothers and sisters, it doesn't get much better than that, than knowing that we're working in partnership with the Holy Spirit. All are welcome to be a part. And thanks be to God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.